The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. So you're getting ready to go to Disney next week and, and Universal. Oh, actually, in a few days, yeah. Yep. Trying to keep When you my... get back, I promise you, you're going to be like, why the fuck was I so stressed out? I know. What the fuck? Well, it is very fitting that Ashley is getting ready to head to a theme park next week because today we are talking about a different theme park called Action Park. And the park was located in Vernon Township, New Jersey. And I don't know sure. where that is near. So this park um, was created by uh, businessman Gene Mulvihill. He had an idea for an amusement park where every visitor can control their own thrill level. This newly flushed, self-proclaimed Walt Disney World of New Jersey, or Walt Disney of New Jersey, sorry. Walt Disney of New Jersey. Speaking of which, did you know that before uh, Walt had decided for Disney World to be in Florida, he was looking at all these different locations. New Jersey was one of them, and St. Louis. Well, he fucked up. He should have put one in St. Louis. I know, because then we could just drive there like an hour and a half. Oh my god, dude! Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, give the Midwesterns something. We're too poor to fucking move. We're stuck here. So the area was, um, oh sorry, the uh, self-proclaimed Walt Disney of New Jersey chose to build his park in Vernon, New Jersey. The area was up and coming with a new Playboy Club, winter ski resorts, and seemingly indisposed endless business possibilities for investors hoping to make money off of New Yorkers looking for a thrill outside the city. So, in 1976, Eugene Mulvihill and his company, Great American Recreation, the owners of the recently combined Vernon Valley Great Gorge Ski Resort in Vernon Township, New Jersey, wanted to make money during the summer off-season. Following the example of other ski resorts, they opened a 2,700-foot-long alpine slide down one of the steep ski trails. Action Park opened opened its gates in 1978 with a single ride. Gene's dream had only just begun to be realized. Action Park was formally opened on July 4th of that year. So he had a uh, Dolly Parton look-alike contest and a tobacco juice spitting contest. Raise your hand if you've ever almost drank uh, tobacco juice thinking that it was tea. No, but my mother did. Ugh, God, gross. She, <laughs> well, my dad, well, he still has a, he still chews every now and then. But, like, back then, it was a lot more, well... And then my mom both drank Diet Pepsi. Okay? Uh-huh. So whenever he got done with Diet Pepsi, he would spit, start spit, he would use it to spit in. Yeah. She thought it was like almost like over a half filled Diet Pepsi and it was my dad's goddamn chewing tobacco spit. Yeah. <laughs> she just, yeah. she ran, ran in the bathroom just started hurling. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 She no, thought no. it was a full diet pass. like, no! <laughs> so, the following year, more water slides and a deep water swimming pool, as well as tennis courts and a softball field, were added to what became known as the Waterworld section of Action Park. By 1980, Motorworld had been carved out of the swamplands, the ski area owned across the uh, State Route 94. Combined, the park's 250 acres formed one of North America's earliest modern water parks, 
It evolved into a major destination with 75 rides, 35 motorized, self-controlled rides, and 40 water slides. At the time of the early 80s, amusement parks in the U.S. were pretty new to the public. Because of this, there was a, a lag in regulating their safety. Gene used this to his advantage by pushing the boundaries of what the average summer teen or young kid could physically endure. The Alpine Slide, a downhill sled nicknamed the Skin Ripper, was one of the most dangerous. Park visitors were given a wheeled cart, often with defective brakes, and sent down a concrete fiberglass ramp. The slide was definitely a thrill, but once a kid lost control and gravity took over, there was a lot of room for severe injuries and skin burns. Teens considered their wa- their war ru- <laughs> their teens war. considered their war run- wounds from Action Park a badge of honor, especially after surviving the terror of the Alpine Slide. The Cannonball Loop might have been the first water slide to send someone upside down, without engineers and amusement park Wait. guests. Yeah, he actually had a slide that went upside down. You're all goddamn nuts. It was a loop de loop. What in the world makes you think that shit's gonna work? I don't know, man. Some jackass or something. Well, obviously the fucking what's his face? Uh, Johnny Knoxville went there. Well, yeah, this was this was before Johnny Knoxville. Though. I know, but I can see where he got his oh, ideas from. For uh, sure, yeah. Dude, um, can't do that shit no more. You're gonna break. <laughs> your, your body's just gonna shatter. <laughs> so, without engineers and amusement park ex- experts, Gene hired his own team to build a long looping slide. Then, using a dummy to test out the slope, he attempted to perfect the <laughs> deadly-looking ride. <laughs> Unfortunately, the dummy's head was ripped off. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean, goddamn! <laughs> which didn't bode well for visitors. Nonetheless, Gene didn't give up. He bribed teenage workers with $100 to test the ride. <laughs> teenage workers! <laughs> That's the way to get rid of population. (laughs) Go after the kids, obviously. Even though they often came out with bleeding noses, terrible cuts, and purpling bruises, the ride was open to park guests for just one month before swift-acting regulators shut it down permanently. Throughout the 1980s, Action Park was a hotbed of rebellious teenagers looking to test the limits of their bodies. Combined with the limitless alcohol and poorly trained teenage ride operators, this turned out to be grounds for disaster. (laughs) So his son, Andy, <laughs> recalls his father's philosophy in creating Action Park. Quote, Gene didn't want to do the same old shit where you just get strapped onto something or it twirls around. He wanted to take the idea of skiing, which is exhilarating because you control the action and transfer it to an amusement park. There's inherent risk in that, but it, that's what makes it fun. Unquote. Yeah. Super, Super fun. fun. <laughs> So accidents were an everyday hazard at Action Park that most park visitors acknowledged, but deaths were another matter altogether. In 1980, a teenage employee pushed the limits of the Alpine slide after hours when the brakes failed to slow him down. He was thrown from the ride, hit his head on a nearby on nearby rocks. He suffered a massive head injury and died. 26 visitors suffered uh, severe head injuries from the Alpine slide while others broke bones. Action Park's wave pool, a.k.a. the grave pool, <laughs> was a state-of-the-art, um, yeah, to- super state-of-the-art. Um, patrons could enjoy the simulation of the ocean without all the salt and sand. However, the swimmers could not rely on the salt to keep them buoyant because the pool was freshwater. When the wave pool sent out random four-feet-high uh, four tidal waves into the crowds, they were not as able to jump or avoid them. 
Instead, the waves would overwhelm even the strongest swimmers. Lifeguards were stationed everywhere along the deep end where near drownings were common. In fact, it was said that an average of 30 people were rescued every day. And the wave pool became the site of three of the park's deaths. In 1982, a man died when he flipped on the kayak ride and touched a live electrical wire submerged underwater. Uh-huh. <sighs> yep. A few years later, another visitor had a heart attack on the Tarzan swing, likely after landing in the freezing waters below. Action Park's most successful years were the early and mid-80s. Most rides were still operating, and the park's dangerous reputation had not yet developed. In 1982, two two guests died at the park within a week of each other, leading to the permanent closure of one ride. Despite this, people continued to come in in massive numbers. The park's uh, fortunes began to turn with two deaths in the summer of 1984, and the legal and financial problems that stemmed from the ensuing lawsuits. A state investigation of misconduct and the leasing of the state land to Action Park led to a 110-count grand jury indictment against the nine related companies that ran the park and their executives for operating an unauthorized insurance company. Many took uh, pretrial intervention to avoid prosecution, and Jean pleaded guilty that November to five insurance fraud-related charges Attendance remained high, however, and the park remained profitable, at least on paper. Yeah. Action Park entertained over a million visitors per year during the 1980s, with as many as 12,000 coming on some of the busiest weekends. Park officials said that this made the injury and death rate statistically insignificant. Nevertheless, the director of the emergency room at a nearby hospital said that they treated from uh, 5 to 10 victims of park accidents on some of the busiest days. And the park eventually brought the township extra ambulance bought sorry the park eventually bought the township extra ambulances to keep up with the volume it wasn't just the thrill of the dangerous rides that kept kids coming back summer after summer um it was also the park's anything goes choose your own adventure mentality then underage visitors remember being able to drink beer freely and run through the park without a care or much in the way of adult supervision in fact, doctors who treated the many injuries occur, uh, incurred at the park noted most people were intoxicated, regardless of their age. The employees, including Mulva Hill's own five children, were often teenagers themselves having as good of a time as the patrons. In September 1989, a Great American Adventure negotiated a deal, was it Great American? Whatever. GAR negotiated a deal with International Broadcasting Corporation that would result in the sale of Vernon Valley Great Gorge and Action Park for $50 million. IBC later backed out of the deal, feeling that the site was not suitable for their needs upon further inspections of the properties. Understandably, after fears of injury and low attendance, the park closed in 1996. A total of six people died at Action Park, but countless more were injured throughout the years. Despite the terror, the thrill and adrenaline kept visitors coming back. The lax ride operators allowed lower guests or most guests to do what they wanted. And the ever-flowing alcohol was rumored to be accessible even for minors. The HBO, HBO Max distributed documentary aptly named Class Action Park is a fantastic ride through childhood nostalgia and the darker side of the park. Comedians guffaw over the trauma and delight that they experience at the park while others share their tales of loss from poorly, poorly designed rides. 
The documentary leaves a festive yet honest look at the park, from the danger of the alpine slide to the rebellious nature of its young, frequent visitors. In 2010, Mulva Hill led a committee to buy the park back. It reopened in 2014 with a new name, Mountain Creek Water Park, and now advertises its trained lifeguard staff and stringent up-to-standard safety features. But for a generation of kids from the tri-state area, nothing will replace the dangerous thrills of a hot summer day at Action Park. In 2014, the park reopened under, I already read that part, it has t- the park has some mixed reviews online where some claim it is the half-abandoned shell of Action Park. Their commercials, of course, boast ride safety and employee training, but because of the controversial past, many guests have moved on to other amusement parks. And Eugene Mulvihill died on October 27, 2012. So let's go over some of the attractions. In Alpine Center, we had the Gladiator Challenge attraction, loosely based on the television series American Gladiators, that opened in 1992. It allowed guests to compete against other guests in an obstacle course and against park-employed gladiators in jousting matches. The alpine slide descended the mountain beneath one of the ski area chairlifts, which provided guest access to the top of the slide. Riders sat on small sleds that had only a brake and accelerator control stick and rode down the slide in long chutes built into the slope. The ride, and more specifically the sleds, became notorious for causing injuries. The stick that was supposed to control the sled's speed in practice offered just two options on the infrequently maintained vehicles, extremely slow and a speed described by one former employee as death awaits. <laughs> the chutes... <laughs> yeah, it's pretty spot on. The chutes the sleds traveled in were made of concrete, fiberglass, and asbestos, which awesome, which led to serious abrasions on riders who took even mild falls. The tendency of guests to ride in bathing suits made the problem even worse. The path underneath the chairlift resulted in verbal harassment and spitting from passengers going up for their turn. Guests riding the <coughs> lift would also would often knock the sleds off, slowing down operations as employees had to retrieve them. So the slide was the site of the first fatality at the park in 1980. 19-year-old George Larson Jr., who had previously been a ski lift operator at Vernon Valley, was thrown from the slide when his car jumped the track, and his head struck a rock. So after several, his head struck a rock. Why can't I fucking read today? After several days in a coma, he died. Action Park said that Larson was an employee. It was an. Uh, it was at nighttime and also raining when the accident happened. They also said that he, as an employee, his death did not need to be reported to state regulators. Now it says he didn't even work for the park. Now, I saw, like, conflicting things that said that he did work for the park and that he didn't work for the park, so I don't know. But either way, it's fucked up because they basically tried to sweep it under under the rug. Yeah. So, hay bales at the curbs were put in place in an attempt to cushion the impact of guests whose sleds jumped the track, a frequent occurrence. While park officials regularly asserted its safety, the slide was responsible for the bulk of the accidents, injuries, lawsuits, and state citations for safety violations in the early years of the park. According to state records in 1984 and 85, the Alpine Slide produced 14 fractures and 26 head injuries. The Bailey Ball was an Alpine Center attraction developed and tested but never opened to the public as a result of those tests. It consisted of a large foam sphere in which a rider would be secured and then rolled downward. The plan was to do it on a track with PVC pipe as its outer rails and one was built alongside a ski trail. 
The designers neglected to take into account that the tendency of the PVC pipe would expand whenever it gets heated up. But this is open during the summer, so of course, it's going to get heated up. Yeah. During the first test, with state inspector uh, present on a hot summer day, the ball, with a man in tide testing it, went off the track as a result of the pipe expanding and bounded down the adjacent ski slope, and it continued through the parking lot across Route 94 and came to a rest in a swamp. Can <laughs> you just imagine this giant ball just, like, rolling through the fucking park, through the parking lot, over the fucking interstate, and then landing in a swamp? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> After it came to a natural Snakes. stop at the bottom, the inspector left without saying anything. And Park be like... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. I don't work here, man. <laughs> I can see them doing that. And park management abandoned the project. It's just so funny to me. I can get to They know ball. they fucked up. They don't know what to do. We tried, like, guys, but uh, apparently people... It sounds like a jackass stunt. So, in 1991, Action Park opened a 70-foot-tall two-station bungee jumping tower near the Alpine Slide. During news media coverage of the ride's opening, Andy Mulvihill pushed a television reporter who refused to, to make the jump off of the platform at the direction of his older sister, then head of the public relations for the park. The next summer, the tower was upgraded to four jumping stations. In Motor World, they had Super Go-Karts. The Super Go-Karts allowed guests to drive around a small loop track at a speed of about 20 miles an hour. However, park employees knew how to circumvent the governor's by wedging tennis balls into them, and they were known to go to do so for guests. As a result, an otherwise standard small engine cart ride became an opportunity to play bumper cars at 50 miles an hour, and many injuries resulted from head-on collisions. Also, you think right? <laughs> 50 miles an hour? You don't think that's about the same as a fucking regular car? You oh, idiot! Oh, for sure. Um, I think. Well, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it said, or was that Disney World? I don't remember if it was that or if it was Disney. It was one of the two. Either the cars that were at uh, Disney that Walt would take on the interstate or it might have been this that Gene would take on the interstate and drive. Yeah, because it probably went faster than all the other cars. Yeah. Model T cars, baby. (laughs) They only maybe 30. (laughs) Uh Oh, this car is like a race car. (laughs) Also, the cart's engines were poorly maintained and some riders were overcome by gasoline fumes as they drove. Oh, I bet. Lola cars. The Lola cars were miniature open cockpit race cars on a longer track. Extra money was charged to drive them, and they too could be adjusted for speed by park employees, with similarly harmful consequences to riders. Former employees have said that after park manage- management briefly set up a microbrewery nearby, employees. Say that fast. Like I know, five right? Times. It's one of my words that I can't say very quickly. Microbrewery. Microbrewery. Micro- <laughs> Microbrewery. Micro. Brewery. There for a minute, you're going to say Michael. <laughs> Microbrewery. Michael Brewer. Mi- Microbrewery. Micro. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. Employees would break into the brewery, steal the beer, and then take the cars out on and ride them on Route 94. <laughs> Having a gay old time. Right. Now, the battle action tanks were one of the most popular rides in Motor World, and it was featured prominently in television ads. For an additional fee, guests could enter a chain-linked fence enclosed area and operate small tanks for five minutes at a time. The tanks were equipped with tennis ball cannons that enabled riders to shoot at a sensor prominently mounted on each tank. If hit, the tank stopped operating for 15 seconds. 
While other guests often took advantage of the delay to hit the disabled vehicle with more fire, visitors on the outside could also utilize less costly cannons mounted on the per uh, perimeter fence when workers and when workers had to enter the cage to attend to a stuck or crashed tank, which often happened several times a day, they were commonly pelted with tennis balls, despite pro prohibitions against it. One guest poured lighter fluid on the tennis balls and ignited them before firing, <laughs> earning him an ejection, thankfully. Oh my god. This gave the ride a reputation for being more dangerous for the employees than the guests, making it one of the least popular places to work in the park. It is not known if there were any serious injuries from the tank ride, but as of 2018, the area has not been redeveloped and only a vacant lot remains. And it's just bad luck putting the park there. <laughs> the super speedboats were set up in a small pond known by park staff to be heavily infested with snakes. They could be driven around a small island at 35 to 40 miles an hour. While unlike the land vehicles, there was no way to tamper and increase their speed. Many riders, nonetheless, used them to play bumper boats, and one seriously inebriated rider had to be rescued by the attendant lifeguard after his boat capsized following a collision. The bumper boats were a supposedly safer ride than the super speed boats, but the engines often leaked gasoline, at least once requiring medical attention for one rider who got too much of it on his skin. Tall riders also were often unable to fit their legs in the small size boats, resulting in them hanging off the sides of the boats, which also resulted in being fractured during collisions. In the water park area, we saw the Cannonball Loop, as we talked about earlier. The slide was open for only a month in 1985 before it closed at the order of the state's advisory board on Carnival Amusement Park or Amusement Ride Safety, a highly unusual move at the time. One worker told in a local newspaper that there were too many bloody noses and back injuries from riders. Some early riders came back with lacerations on their bodies when the ride was closed to determine what had caused them. Teeth that had fallen out were found lodged in the interior walls. A local, or sorry, a former Navy physician found that riders were experiencing as much as nine Gs of force as they went through the loop. A writer also reportedly got stuck at the top of the loop due to insufficient water pressure, and a hatch had to be installed at the top or at the bottom of the slope to allow for future extractions. So those who rode the cannonball loop have said that the more safety measures were taken than was otherwise common at the park. Riders were weighed, hosed down with cold water, instructed to remove jewelry and then carefully instructed in how they had to position their bodies to complete the ride if you have to go through that much to ride a fucking water slide it, you I'm shouldn't dead. be riding the fucking water slide yeah so the tidal wave pool was opened at the beginning of action park's 1981 season the first death occurred here in 1982 another visitor drowned in this common water park attraction five years later it was, however, the number of people the lifeguard saved from a familiar, familiar, similar, similar, what the hell is wrong with me? Familiar. Familiar. <laughs> Why not? Sounds better. <laughs> from a similar fate that made this the only water world attraction to gain its own nickname, the Grave Pool. Hmm. The pool was 100 feet wide and 250 feet long and could hold 500 to 1,000 people. That's a big fucking difference. 500 yeah. to 1,000. 
Mm-hmm. Waves were generated for 20 minutes at a time with 10-minute breaks and could reach as much as 10 or 40 inches in height. And it was not always obvious that pool depth increased near the far end, and there were patron, pa- patrons who only remembered or realized that they could not swim when they were <laughs> in over their heads and the waves were going full blast. So even those who could swim sometimes exhausted themselves, causing patrons to crowd the side ladders as the waves began, leading to many accidents. The aquascoot, invented by Ken Bailey in the early 1980s, riders could carry a hard, solid plastic sled up the top of the ride and go down the slide consisting of rollers akin to those found in factories or warehouses or assembly lines and end up in a pool made that... Uh, that in most areas was no deeper than a puddle. So the idea with the ride was once oh. the sled hit the water to skip across the water like a stone. To do this, the rider had to be in a certain position, lean back, and if the rider was not in this position, the sled was just sink into the water as soon as it hit the pool. Flinging the rider off head first, which often resulted in head injuries. The rider who leaned back in 1995 overdid it and suffered serious head injuries falling off the back of the sled. One of many to whom this happened. The kayak experience was an imitation whitewater course that used submerged electric fans to agitate the water above. Frequently, the kayaks got stuck or tipped over and people had to get out and um, like remedy the situation and flip them back over. In 1982, a man died while trying to get back in his kayak when he touched the open wiring. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. The Tarzan swing. So this was a steel arch hanging from a 20 foot long cable over a spring-fed pool, meaning that it was spring water, meaning that it was fucking cold. Patrons (laughs) patrons waited in long lines for the chance to hang from it, swinging out over the water and then jumping in as the beam reached its height. In the park's early years, the area uh, patrons jumped off from what was not over the water, but a cushioned area. Some people who let go as soon as they started their swing would land in the cushion and then slide crash into the water. So in the mid-1980s, the starting position was shifted so that patrons started over the water. Some patrons hung on too long and scraped their toes on the concrete at the far side. Others used the ride properly, but then were surprised to find out the water underneath was freezing cold. It was cold enough, in fact, that the lifeguards sometimes had to rescue people who were so surprised by the sudden chill that they could not swim out of the pool. In 1984, one man died from a heart attack after experiencing the swing. So, there were six deaths at the park. In July 1980, as we said earlier, a 19-year-old George Larson Jr. was riding the Alpine slide. And July 24th, 1982, George Lopez, no, not that George Lopez, but a 15-year-old boy drowned in the tidal wave pool. And then the man who died from electric shock was on August 1st, 1982, a 27-year-old man from Long Island got out of his tipped kayak on the kayak experience to ride it. While doing so, he stepped out on a grate that was either in contact with or came too close to a section of live wiring for underwater fans that somehow became exposed. And he suffered a severe electric shock, which sent him into cardiac arrest. Uh, several other members of his family were nearby, and they were also injured. He was taken to a hospital in nearby Warwick, New York, where he later died of the shock-induced cardiac arrest. The park at first disputed that the electric current caused his death, saying that there were no burns on his body. 
But the coroner responded that uh, burns generally do not occur in a water-based electrocution. The ride was drained and closed for the investigation. Accounts differed as to uh, the extent of the exposed wiring. The park said that it was just a nick, while others argued that it was closer to 8 inches. The state's labor department found the fan was properly installed and maintained and that no violations of safety laws or amusement ride regulations had occurred. However, it also said that the 19 uh, ampere electrical current found to be flowing through a ground circuit three days after the incident had had the possibility to cause bodily harm under certain circumstances. The park claimed it had been vindicated, although it never reopened the ride, saying that people would be afraid to go on it afterwards. So, in 1984, date unknown, a fatal heart attack suffered by one visitor was unofficially believed to have been triggered by the shock of the cold water beneath the Tarzan swing. The water on the ride and in that swimming area was 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which is very cold for water, while other areas were in the 70 to 80 degree range more typical of swimming pools. So on August 27, 1984, Donald DePass, a 20 year old from Brooklyn, drowned in the tidal wave pool. In July 19, 1987, 18 year old Gregory Grandchaps, Champs, drowned. What date was Preston born on? What? What date was Preston born on? 11th. <laughs> he was just born. Uh huh. Seven days old, or no, eight days old. 18 year old Gregory Grandchaps drowned in the tidal wave pool. One thing is for sure, Action Park will continue to go down in New Jersey history as one of the most infamous amusement park rides or parks ever. And there are quite a few more attractions, but I only chose to include the ones with serious injuries or death to talk about because this is long enough as is. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.